The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to A Hero's Journey with your host, Bart Queen. Are you one of the millions of people who want to change your life but don't know where to begin? It starts with finding your voice and using your voice. Bart Queen has dedicated himself to helping you find and develop the life you were meant to lead. Now, here's your host, Bart Queen. Well, good morning to all of you on the West Coast. Good afternoon to those of you on the East Coast and hello to the rest of the world. What an amazing show we're going to have today. If you had a chance to listen last fall, you'll remember me spending an hour of power with Catherine Couch, an amazing woman. And as I went back through my notes and I prepped for the show last week, I came across something that she said. She said, life is staying wide open and stepping into your power. Boy, excuse me. And that made me think of a, a very old historical story <clears throat> about a woman who ended up getting in place as a queen, but the only challenge with her being in place, she kind of lived in secret because she really wasn't of the ethnicity that she needed to be to be queen, but no one else knew that. So she pretty much feared for her life. And a situation came up where she needed to save her people. And in order to save her people, she was going to have to step out for who she really was. And as she, as she struggles to decide what she's going to do, one of the other players in the story says this to you, to her. Who knows that you weren't born exactly for this time and this place? But Esther took the effort, she took the courage to stand up. And if you'll think about courage just a little bit, whether it's in history, whether it's Catherine standing up or whether it's you standing up, we need to look a little bit at courage. And I found something out of a book that I just received called You Can by George Matthew Adams. And he gives this quote about courage. Courage is the naked right put through fire and brought out uncracked and unbroken. Courage is the heart worth making itself felt in deeds. It never waits for chances. It makes chances. And I think as we look today at the series project, as we look at this non nonprofit organization, and as Catherine shares some of the details about the work that they've been doing, I think you're going to come to see, like I came to see, that this is a nonprofit all about making chances. It's about making chances and taking courage. So as we spend this hour of power with Catherine today, guys, I want you to learn how you can be courageous 
and how you can make chances, how you can use those chances. I want you to find out that life is wide open. I want you to step into your own power and I want you to realize that you were born exactly for a time like this. Now, before I bring Catherine on, just a couple of logistics. <clears throat> Don't forget, guys, if you find any value out of anything that we're sharing here today, that I am offering a full keynote speech, a half a day workshop, a pre and post webinar for your audience, your nonprofit, or your, no- your organization. All I'm asking for is a $500 donation to Cornucopia, the cancer support center that here in North Carolina helped me through my journey. So if that makes sense and you're interested in that, all you have to do is email me at bart at bartqueen.com, bart at bartqueen.com, and we'll be happy to reach out to your organization and set everything up for them. So without further ado, I can't wait to welcome Catherine back to the show. Catherine, what an honor and a pleasure it is to speak to you again. Thanks so much, Bart. I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here this morning. And I love, um, I love the line in that quote that you read about the naked right um, and, and the idea that we're all born, you know, for a time like this. And I think that those, those moments of naked right show up for all of us. Um, in lots of ways and at lots of times. And um, I just love that phrase. I'm going to hold on to that one. Well, the thing that really struck my heart with you, Catherine, was where it says courage is the heart worth making itself felt in deeds. And as I know of your story, the the deeds that you are doing, wow, the deeds, (coughs) pardon me, and the way you're touching people is just absolutely amazing. Thank you. So, Catherine, share with us a little bit. What started this? What was the catalyst that made this come to well, fruition? <laughs> my my moment of being born for a time like this started back in 2006, and um, I had previously run a for-profit business delivering meals. Um, to families across uh, Northern California, and, you know, just two career families, single people living alone. Um, for about 10 years, I had sold that business. And about three years later, um, I got a phone call one day from a, you know, an acquaintance of mine. I wouldn't even necessarily say a, a friend, but a, an acquaintance of mine who knew about my cooking background. And, and I was also working at a chef uh, working as a chef at a retreat center at the time. And she called me up early in the summer in 2006 and, um, and had this idea that her daughter, um, who was 17 at the time, um, needed, needed to get a job over the summer. And um, she wanted her to learn how to cook and she wanted me to hire her. And, you know, it's, it's hard to hire someone into, you know, a catering job, for example, who, who literally doesn't know how to light a stove. Um, and I was a little appalled at the phone call and that she, she expected me to hire this, this girl. Um, but, but the mom was really insistent about this and she just, she just kept kind of having these conversations with me over the next couple of weeks. And finally, um, you know, I, I'm inclined to say yes, because I, I have, um, some experience at this point in my life about how the universe works. Um, and so finally I said to her one day, Listen, you know, maybe, maybe Megan and I should just cook meals for the homeless shelter. 
and she she said i'll i'll pay for the food and and so suddenly you know i was willing to volunteer and she was willing to pay pay for some food and we had this basic idea of creating this experience for megan in which she would learn how to cook in that moment i i re- remembered that i had a friend who was working with a family in in sebastopol where i live the mom was stage 4 metastasized breast cancer and they had an 11 and 13 year old and so i went home and i called her and i said you know do you think this family would appreciate some food? And of course, the answer was yes. So I ended up putting a project together for seven weeks that summer with this family of four, a single woman living alone with breast cancer with no family nearby and a man who'd had a stroke. And my feeling was, I mean, I, I really care that all young people are learning how to feed themselves and learning how to, how to cook healthy food. And I think Cooking is really a very creative thing, and I, I love it, and I love sharing it with people. But I wanted what we did to also be useful and not just, I don't know, I wanted to make a difference for, for others. And so, I was, so for seven weeks, Megan and I got together one afternoon a week, and we cooked meals for these three families. And the first week, we, we had finished, and we were walking out of the house um, to put a couple of the bags into my car for delivery. And the dad in that family drove up to pick up the meals. It happened to be on his way home from work and got out of the car and I introduced myself and I introduced Megan. And we just started talking about what was in the bags for them. And, you know, what I know so clearly now is that in that family, the mom stage four metastasized breast cancer, um, everyone is terrified. And um, the well parent, in this case, the, the dad, has this enormous burden of responsibility to keep, to keep some semblance of normalcy while caretaking, working, and, and picking up so many other um, jobs within the family. And so there was this kind of look of utter relief kind of in his whole being. And at that moment, I glanced over to Megan. And, you know, she, she, she had, like, straightened up. And, you know, jokingly, I said she looked about six inches taller. And that moment came and went. And about three weeks later... Literally, I woke up at 6.30 in the morning, and I, I had kind of a full download of the power of this idea um, to make a difference for so many other people. And, you know, the, what I call the original operating instructions were get, kids in, get, get young people in a kitchen and cook for people who are sick. And, you know, right there, there's these two really powerful benefits, and um, and it felt like a call. It felt like, you know, I was born for a time like this. And, um, and I said yes to that call. And so the whole thing really started from, from that. But, you know, again, backing up, the universe works in such interesting ways, right? I mean, I got a, a phone call basically out of the blue from someone I barely knew. Um, and, I, and at first I was like fairly, I was annoyed that she was calling me and asking me to do, to do this thing. But what it's led to is, um, what it's led to has literally touched tens of thousands of lives. You know, Catherine, there's, in, in me helping people articulate their stories or helping them prepare for a keynote speech or something like that, we walk them through a process called the hero's journey. Are you familiar with that by chance? I, I am, yep. Okay. Well, then you know one of the key ingredients is that is the refusal. <laughs> where, where you go, you know, now I am just that, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and we've all, like, we've all. Why is she, yeah, I was like, why is she calling me asking me this? 
yeah, I, this, I don't have time for this. This is not what I'm planning. This is not the direction I want to go in. And then yeah. you, you kind of get past it. And to use your words, the universe lets you know, no, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. Yes, the, the, exactly. <laughs> those catalyst stories of of how we are inspired by these things that allow us to take these first couple of steps. Now, if I if I remember correctly, that was over ten years ago, correct? Yes, it was over ten years ago. It was about eleven and a half years ago, and um, so that morning that I woke up and I and I basically had a vision for this as a nonprofit. Um, I'd never started a nonprofit, of course, and um, and I, I immediately called the friend of mine who had been who had known this family of four. And I said, I've, I've had this vision about how this could help a lot of other people. You know, are you willing to work with me on it? And, um, and then there began basically a, about an eight-month process where we, you know, we started a nonprofit and we raised money and a small amount of money. And basically the whole idea started as um, we, we raised $12,000, $12,500, and we started in a church kitchen in March of 2007 with me, kind of my one-day-a-week volunteer project was how I thought of it, me and six kids cooking for four families. And I was like, you know, I was, I was chefing, but, you know, I wasn't working full-time. I was like, I could do this one day a week, no problem. Um, and just, again, just taking it a step at a, t- at a time and not worrying too much about where it was going or what it was going to take eventually. or I didn't really think about any of that. I, I, I was re- very much in the present moment of here's the opportunity, here's the call, and this is something I feel like I can do and, um, and not making it more than it needs to be at the time and just saying, yeah, one, one afternoon a week, I can do that. And by the end of the year, we had prepared 4,500 meals for about 25 families, um, and yeah, and it, and it just it just went from there. It just went from there. It's amazing how one step leads to another, then leads to another. So, Catherine, we have to take just a short little break. When we come back from the break, we're going to get more into everything about Catherine's nonprofit. So, hang with us. <laughs> It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune in to our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. 
Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to A Hero's Journey with Bart Queen. To reach our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. Feel free to send Bart an email as well. The address is bart at bartqueen.com. Now, back to A Hero's Journey. Welcome back, everybody. If you're just joining us now, <coughs> you missed an awesome conversation that we had as we've been talking with Catherine Couch about the series nonprofit <coughs> organization dedicated out there to helping people and bringing food to them. <coughs> now, Catherine, when we broke off on our last conversation, you said something that struck my ear about these students and you reaching out and giving relief to this one dad. And as I look at your mission statement, there were three key pillars in that mission statement around love, food, and empowering young people. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about each of those? Yes, absolutely. So our, our mission is we, we say that we build better health for people, communities, and the planet, and those are all three really important as well, through love, healing meals, and empowering the next generation. And so what, what I've learned over the last 10 years is um, we'll start with the food piece because that's a little bit of the, the easier end of things, is you know, when people get really sick, they most need to be eating well, and it tends to go to the bottom of the priority list because there's so much happening and so much stress. And if you add, if you, if you look specifically at cancer, um, cancer treatment is very debilitating to the appetite. People feel nauseous a lot. They don't feel like eating. And in fact, the level of malnutrition among cancer patients can be as high as 80 or 85%, depending on the tumor, the kind of tumor, the kind of cancer, and, um, and the treatment. And in fact, 20% of cancer deaths are directly related to malnutrition. So food becomes this really critical component that can help support the immune system, help people get better. And yet it tends to, it tends to go out the window um, at the time when it's most needed. And so we do, we provide 100% organic, very, very high quality meals because we also know that um, we, we are committed as an organization that the work that we do has the greatest possible benefit to everyone, and that means to future generations as well. So by sourcing food that's organic, sustainably grown, we're helping to create a better, a better food system for the future and, and a healthier food system today, so fewer environmental impacts, all of those kinds of things. The second piece around love is um, the research shows that the quality of our social connections is actually more important for our well-being than what we eat. And, and I believe that what we eat is really critically important. So the social connections piece is huge. Some of the studies have found that <clears throat> people who feel isolated and alone and disconnected, it's as bad for their health as being obese or smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And I remember when I first read that, I was, I was really struck and kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't, like that's, that's amazing. 
And then, of course, in the next second, if you think about what, what our human condition has been for 100,000 years, we have defined ourselves, we found ourselves in relationship to others. And, you know, there have been a lot of changes over the past 50 years in, in the way our societies operate. People don't stay at jobs for as long. They move often. Many people live far away from their families. <clears throat> and, in fact, when asked now, you know, if you had a crisis in your life, how many people could you turn to, fully 25% of Americans now say no one. And so, you know, there's the juxtaposition, right? We know that our social connections really matter, and yet more and more of us don't have them. And um, an illness on top of that can be very isolating. And so the, the whole model, the whole series model is really a structure for reconnecting people from all parts of our community together um, in meaningful heart-centered ways. So we bring teenagers into our kitchen to serve as the primary gardeners and chefs for the program. We have another, we work with about 450, 470 young people a year. We have another 550 adult volunteers, um, about 50,000 volunteer hours in, in 2016. Um, and then we have our clients and their families that we're serving, and then a huge community of um, in-kind, you know, food partners and community members who donate things to us, and and then donors. And so, overall, in order to to do what we do every year, deliver we're delivering about ninety-eight thousand meals this year. In order to do that, we're we're reconnecting literally thousands of people who now feel more valued and more valuable as a part of this community of support. And we know that that's healing for people as well. And 93% of our clients say that receiving the meals help them feel less isolated and alone. And then the last piece, and, and you know, the thing that I, that when, when I say we, we build healthier people, healthier communities, and a healthier planet, the healthier communities piece is, is really about that, reweaving these bonds of connection in our communities so that we see our community as maybe bigger than we thought it was before and, and more diverse than we thought it was before. And we feel our place as a, as a valued member of that community. And then the, the last piece around empowering the next generation, um, you know, I, I, I um, have had the opportunity several times of being with Joanna Macy, who's a very, very well-respected Buddhist teacher and, I was at a conference one time and she was talking and, and it was really kind of out of context, but one of the things she said was the youngest person in the room is the most important. And I was so I, struck by that and I never forgot that. And, you know, when we, we empower young people to fully step into who they can be in the world, we, we are shaping, you know, 60, 70 years of a life. Um, and all of the choices that that young person will make. And, uh, you know, interesting, having, having worked now with teens for, you know, almost a dozen years, um, I'm, I, what, I, what I feel now is that there is a developmental need at that age. You know, if you go back 100 years, for example, every 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old would have been contributing in a real and, real and significant way to their family and their community. It was a necessity. They were watching children. They were making clothes. They were tending animals. They were growing food. Um, and, and that's how they began to discover 
their place in the larger community and, and their skills and their passions and, and who they could be. And, and we've somehow kind of lost that in, in our current situation. And so we have, we have young people who, you know, sometimes until their mid-20s have actually never done anything real that was of, of value as a contributing member of the community. And I, I see in the young people that we work with that there is a deep longing to be able to make a difference, to be able to step into, into a real role as a contributing member of the community. And that's what we created series. So young people come into our gardens and kitchens. They, um, they make a commitment to work for at least three months. Um, many of them stay for a year, two, three, four years. And they are making a real and significant contribution to the lives of, of members of their community. And we bring the clients in so teens meet the clients that they're, that they're cooking for. And in that process, they begin to discover who they are and they begin to, um, to discover their agency and their power. When a client looks at you and says, thank you for helping save my life, something changes and you, you can no longer... Um, who, who you see yourself to be in the world really fundamentally changes then, and, and you can't go back from that. And that's really our goal is to empower young people to fully step into their agency as engaged, productive, and compassionate members of the community. So it's kind of a long-winded answer about love, healing food, and empowering the next generation. Catherine, I so echo what you talked about when you were sharing about empowering the next generation. Two weeks ago, I had an opportunity to work with a rural high school in California, uh, 17 and 18-year-olds, and we worked with them on giving them their confidence and their power through the vehicle of these communication skills. And it was just amazing. The very first young man who got up and spoke talked about how he had tried to commit suicide, how he was pulling his life back together, and that what he wanted to be able to do now was be able to share his story so other young men didn't make the same mistake he's made. At the at the very end of these three days with these young people, they each had to get up, speak for roughly about a minute. Each one of them had to start off by saying, here I am, world, send me. Then they followed up with what they wanted to become in life, doctors, attorneys. One wanted to be on the Food Channel. It was just an amazing array of things. And then they had to talk about how they had set their mind and they were going to keep their mind set. And by the time these 18 young people got done sharing that and the class saying back to them, you've set your mind, now keep it set. I don't think there was a dry eye in the group. Mm-hmm. When we see that we can give them those kinds of gifts that they don't get anywhere else, it becomes absolutely amazing what they have the potential to now go and do. Yep. Yep. When we come when we come back from this break, Catherine, I I do want to hit very quickly on your four key principles. And then I want to get into more about some of the things that you're doing with the youth. So guys, hang with us and we'll be back after this short break. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to A Hero's Journey with Bart Queen. To reach our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. Feel free to send Bart an email as well. The address is bart at bartqueen.com. Now, back to A Hero's Journey. Well, welcome back, everybody. If you were with us on our last segment, Catherine was really talking about some of the key pieces around their vision and their mission statement. And now, Catherine, if we could, you've got four key operating principles that you work from. And there are two that I'd really like you to share with us, if you wouldn't mind. You've got one here that everything matters. I absolutely agree with that. In the class I teach, I always say everything counts. And then the second one that I want you to spend some time around is the universe has a purpose. So can you highlight us on those? Yeah. So everything matters goes back to what I was saying before about um, really, I think of everything matters as the concept of integrity. And the interesting thing about integrity is you can't be responsible for something that you're not conscious of. But once you become conscious, you must take responsibility. And so Siri as an organization is really focused on becoming more and more conscious of the impacts that we are having and that we could have, and then taking responsibility for those. So how we source food, how we work with volunteers, um, you know, really kind of everything – We're very focused on that how we do what we do is as important as what we do. In fact, probably more important than what we do, that the transformational power of what we do comes from how we do it and the integrity and the intention that we bring to how we're doing it. So that's a short version of everything matters. And of course, that's why we source organic local food and um, and, and some of those things. Um, And the second one, the universe has a purpose. So everything is connected, and life continually invites us to experience gratitude, abundance, connection, community, and healing. And, um, you know, series, we believe that series is an idea that the universe wanted to bring into existence, and we see ourselves as shepherds of that idea. And we're conscious that, that we don't yet even fully understand, even after 10 years, what the power of this model could be. And so we're constantly watching and listening and learning so that we can make it even more powerful than it is. And, you know, everything is connected. Um, 
you know, that's an idea that we all bandy about. But, you know, it, it's interesting when I work with emergency food providers, you know, there's a conversation there that you know, we can't worry about the quality of food that we're providing. We're, we just have to get food to people. And, of course, um, we're going to run out of topsoil in 70 years by the way we're farming. And so it's, it's as leaders who care about hunger, we actually need to care today about food quality because everything is connected. And, um, you know, if you look at our, our personal health, our public health, the health of our rivers and air, our food system and our healthcare system, that is one interconnected system. And everything is constantly impacting everything else within that system. The, the, when we empower a young person, their family is impacted. All of the people that that young person will meet throughout their life is impacted. So we, we think a lot about those, those intersections, that, that web that is connecting all these pieces and how what we do can have the greatest possible ripple out effect um, within those interconnected systems. The way you were describing that, it always makes me think of what I term that ripple effect. When you take a positive action, the ripples that it will continue on and on and on. And the same thing that happens when we create a negative ripple, the impact of that can go on and on and on for a long time as well. Yep. When I see things so important with young people, right, in terms of when we're when we're mentoring them, when a young person, you know, feels put down or, um, or disrespected or sees someone not believing in, the, in them, that, that too has a ripple effect that's really, really powerful. Mm. One of the high school groups I worked with, Catherine, the young lady got up and much like the gentleman who talked about committing suicide, the first words out of her mouth were the fact that every day her parents tell her that she's ugly. Yeah. And the, tear, the, the tears just poured down her face. And at the very end of the program, and I did something I've never done before. Instead of having her say, I'm confident, I said, Guadalupe, you need to say you're beautiful. And she, she yeah. barely whispered it, Catherine. I could, she said it to the ground. I couldn't give it her, get her head up. And I got her to say it louder and louder, and her head came up and her shoulders came back. And by the time we were kind of through encouraging her, she, her shoulders were high and she was screaming it back at the class. It, it was an amazing experience for me. But what even blew my mind even further was four months later, her teacher called me and said, you're not going to believe what Guadalupe is doing. And I said, tell me. She said, she's running for homecoming queen. <laughs> That's awesome. Isn't that That's just awesome. an awesome story? It's amazing when you believe in someone, the power that they find. Right, right. In those, yeah, and I think you know one of our other operating principles is you know young people are intelligent, responsible, capable, creative, and caring, and we we have created an environment where every adult that works with young people at Series deeply believes that, and we welcome them into the program with that view, and um, literally we've worked with 2,300 young people at this point, and fewer than five have we had to have asked to leave the program at some point because they didn't actually step into that. Um, <clears throat> and I think, and they show up 
fully as owners and they take their responsibilities seriously and they, it's amazing, but it's, it starts with who we see them to be and how we meet them from that place. Yeah. Well, we can see the potential in each one of these young people because they can't see it yet. It's amazing what happens. Yes, absolutely. So share a little bit about the youth factor. Share a little bit more about kind of maybe how you bring them into the process. If a young person wanted to get involved with you or, or one of your other organizations that's similar doing the same thing, how would they, how would they volunteer? So all, um, all youth and adult volunteers start by coming to an orientation, which we do every month, and we give them a big overview about what series is up to and um, how we think about our work. And then the teens will go into the kitchen um, with one of our youth staff and usually two of our teen leaders and get an orientation to the kitchen. Um, if, they, if they then want to apply, they fill out an application form and they actually sign a pledge about their commitment to, to work at least three hours a week for three months. Um, and then they get scheduled um, into one of our gardens or kitchens in the Bay Area. And um, the first day they show up at the kitchen, one of our team leaders will give them an orientation and buddy with them and spend the day with them. Our kitchens are really set up, and the garden as well, are set up so that um, the work is not, like there isn't an adult who's constantly telling everyone what, what to do. The kitchen is set up very transparently so that the young people who are there um, can can go find what the next jobs are, and the adults are really there as support systems. Um, every shift in the kitchen and garden, we take a half-hour break every day, and we have a whole curriculum that we do with them that the four major components are nutrition education, food systems education. So there we're talking about food miles and why organic and compost and all of those kinds of things, values and leadership development, and then visits with the clients that they're serving. So about every three months, we take a, a couple weeks, and um, every day during that half hour, a client will come in and sit with the young people and share their story about being diagnosed and um, having the rug pulled out from under their life and what their treatment's been like, what they've gone through, and the difference that the meals are making for them. And the clients get to ask questions of the teens, and the teens get to ask questions of the clients. And that's really one of the most profound um, moments, of course, of, of connection and healing happening between those two generations. And, and for young people to really feel, um, you know, like we say, this, what they're doing is not about chopping onions. It's about making a life-saving difference in someone's life. And then we also have a leadership development program. So a young person who's been in the program for six months um, and who's planning to stay will receive a green apron with the series logo on it and their name embroidered. And that's a marker of the contribution that they've made and of really their stature now in the program. And the, um, it allows newer kids coming in to know that that's someone who can help, help answer questions if they need help with something. And then at a year, um, young people can apply to be in our teen leader program. And that in involves a, an application process and a, a meeting with one of our staff and, and an existing teen leader. And when young people are accepted into that program, they get a chef coat with their name embroidered. And we do every other month leadership development work with them in a weekend retreat. And those teens also, um, two of our teen leaders 
serve as full voting members on our board of directors, and they do a lot of public speaking and, and other kinds of outreach work in the community. But they're really, the teen leaders are really the role models and peer teachers in the program, and um, we're able to run our kitchens with as few adult staff as we have. Usually there's only two or three adults there and maybe 15 to 18 young people is because the teen leaders are so skilled and have so much ownership in the program. Well, that sounds like an incredible process for them. Now, share with me, do you have any story about young people that have kind of gone through all that and what they're doing now? Yes. I mean, the the big overview statistics are um, we've done some alumni surveys. About half of the kids we work with are studying or working in a field related to our work. So that could be community organizing, sustainable agriculture, <clears throat> public health, medicine, nutrition, <clears throat> and um, a, a very high proportion, over 50% are still involved as volunteers. You know, even though, you know, th- these, these are young people who are, you know, 18 to 24, 18 to 25, and the vast majority of them are still cooking regularly and eating primarily a healthy fresh foods diet. Um, so that's kind of the big picture. Um, we have students who are... Um, studying nutrition, who are in pre-med programs, who are studying public health and community organizing. So that whole, the whole range of, of those fields and, and some that have gone on to the Culinary Institute of America or um, local culinary um, programs as well. And I think what's interesting, you know, back to the belonging piece is that we, at our kitchen in Sebastopol, we have kids from 45 different schools. And if you Think back about high school and junior high that kids get into cliques and um, you're often as a young person kind of known for something. What happens when a young person walks into our kitchen is they get to be met freshly. So most of the kids that they're going to meet don't know them. And so they get to show up in this new way and they get to meet young people that they might never be friends with in another situation. And one girl jokingly talked about, you know, she was the nerd and she was friends with somebody. The th- three, of, three of them had become friends. One of them was a nerd. One of them was a, um, you know, a redneck. And one of them was something else. I can't remember now. But they never would have been friends within their school. But at series, they got to be friends. And they, they um, in that process, they realized that their community is bigger than they thought it was, and that people who are different than them can be people that they could be friends with. And for young people who have the experience of being socially marginalized in their school, Ceres provides a place where they are fully welcomed. They are a, a fully functioning member of a, of a high production team, and they're really embraced. And it's often the first place that they've ever felt belonging at that level. And many young people talk about that when you read, you know, surveys from our kids, community is one of the things that they talk the most about. Um, even though, you know, our program is about nutrition and nutrition education, cooking skills and all those things, that it's really the community piece that is the most transformative, I think. Absolutely. Now, Catherine, we've got to take one more break, guys. Hang with us. And when we come back, Catherine's going to share what's next for her and the organization. So we'll see you after this break. 
out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to A Hero's Journey with Bart Queen. To reach our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. Feel free to send Bart an email as well. The address is Bart at BartQueen.com. Now, back to A Hero's Journey. So welcome back, everybody. We, we have just spent this last hour with Catherine Couch as she's talked about what she's been doing and in, in re- bringing food, love, and healing to those people who are fighting disease, as well as how she's been building a youth community. Now, as you know, in my program, I typically focus on three major areas, inspiration, instruction, and insight. And as we move into the last part of our program today, I want to get into that insight from Catherine. So, Catherine, share with us a little bit what the future looks like for you personally and where you're headed and what it looks like for the organization in the next five years. Well, those are obviously related. Um, I think there's, there's two areas that we're working in <clears throat> that we haven't really touched on. And the first one is over the last six years now, we've trained 12 other communities around the U.S. to replicate our model and um, all of them are operating successful programs. And so one of the things we're really focused on is <clears throat> sharing this model, in, especially in communities where there's real need, where there's a lot of poverty or um, disparities around illness. And um, we will continue to do that. We have an affiliate program, and we support those communities ongoing with technical assistance calls and other kinds of support. Um, so that's a big, big and important part of our work. The other one is really um, focused around kind of policy and influence in the fields that we're working in and um, taking what really looking at how what we've learned over the last 10 years can, can influence and leverage change on a bigger level. And there's two areas that I'll just mention. One is this piece around food quality and um, how important it is for organizations that are providing food to really be thinking about how they're sourcing that food and the quality of food that they're providing. And so we, we, last year we did a white paper called the power of our food choices that looks at a lot of the research around things like organic versus non-organic food or factory farm meats versus grass fed meat. And there's two prongs here. One is what is the environmental impact of how we're producing food and how that has a health impact. Um, And the other one is, 
how the food that we're providing to the people that we're serving can either help them get better or help them get worse. And, for example, we're now working with an organization that works with homeless people in our county, and they're completely redesigning their food service so that literally everything that they're feeding in their soup kitchen is food that will contribute to the better health of the people that they're serving. That's that's still a radical idea in in that part of our food system, Um, and we're really excited about the fact that we've inspired them to do that. The other, the other work that we're doing on a policy front is really around reimagining food as a critical component of healthcare. And what I mean by that is imagine that you, for example, when you went through cancer treatment, that your doctor would have prescribed medically tailored meals delivered to your home for the whole time that you were going through cancer treatment, and those meals would have been paid for by your insurance. Um, so we are working with colleagues around the country through a group called the Food is Medicine Coalition to do policy work both in D.C. and at the statewide level um, to have food and nutrition services considered what's called an essential health benefit um, in, in food, in, in insurance, um, so that insurance would cover that for people in need. About 70% of our clients are below 200% of the federal poverty level, and um, we know that when they're well-nourished, they're going to have better outcomes, and they're actually going to have lower health care costs. So how do we start building that into healthcare? So those are kind of that's that's where our organization is going. Not only here locally doing the work that we're doing, the direct service work with youth and with clients, but then really thinking about how do how do we leverage what we've learned over the last ten years and make a bigger difference in these in these two different areas. Now, Catherine, how are you involved in this policy piece that you just shared with us? Are you well, are you really? One- I mean, this is really now the kind of the cutting edge of our work and, um, the, and, and where I'm really leading. I mean, our organization is, runs really well. I'm, I'm not very involved anymore in day-to-day operations, but my work is really focused on building the long-term sustainability of our organization so that we know that we're going to be here for people who need us 20, 30, 50 years from now, and then, um, and then really working on this policy front in terms of I, I do a lot of speaking at national conferences. I'm, I'm working in Sacramento um, with our local legislators and, and so forth to to change minds and hearts around um, why food and why high quality organic food really really matters and and needs to be a priority. Well, from the first step of working with Megan to now standing on the <laughs> steps of the Capitol, that's that's a journey, Catherine. That's a journey, one step at a time. Like you said, you know, I, I mean, even five years ago, I couldn't have imagined what I would be working on now. Probably even three years ago, I couldn't have imagined what I was, what I'm working on now. And it's, it's been about staying wide open, listening and looking for where the opportunities for transformation and for change are, and being willing to say yes to those and step into those, often even not knowing how, how, how we were going to make that happen, right? but knowing that there was an opportunity there and a, and a need to say yes. So, Catherine, quickly quickly share with our audience today, if they wanted to get involved, how they could get involved. So our website is um, series, C-E-R-E-S, project.org. And um, if you, there, I think for around the country, obviously if you're in Northern California, we'd love to have you volunteer. 
um, anywhere in the country you can make a donation to support this work. And if you are particularly inspired and would like to bring this work to your community, you can go on our website <clears throat> on the affiliate page, and there's a toolkit that you can look at about how how to how to bring this project to your community, and um, we're happy to work with you. And we do trainings, four-day trainings here in Sonoma County a couple of times a year for groups that want to bring this work to their own community and, and help bring about this kind of change where they live. Awesome. Well, Catherine, what what an hour of inspiration for me. I'm I'm just in awe of where you started and where you're at now. And I think that just it proves to my point when we first started that when you take the power of courage and you add it to the power of chance and you bring those two together, you really get to see life open up in front of you. And it's obvious that you've been able to step into your power. And it's very obvious that you were created for a time like this. So if you're if you guys are listening today and if this has struck your heart and it means something to you, whether it's doing something similar or something else that's completely different, I would ask you to stand up. I would ask you to stand up and be courageous and look for that power of chance because it'll show up if you'll stand up and be courageous. You're going to see that life opens up to you. You're going to be able to step into your own power. And most importantly, you too will realize that you were born for a time just like this. Now, when I opened up, I opened up with a couple quotes about courage, but there are a couple more I want to end with. A day without some courage sprinkled in it is a day little worthwhile. For courage makes a man and a woman that there is never a real man or woman that didn't have courage. Courage is the thing born in you. But it is also a thing that must be shined by use and by cultivation. You can never fail if you have courage. You can never fail if you have courage. But you can never win without it. So today, guys, as we wrap our show and we wrap the inspiration around Catherine, both her and I would ask that you step out into the world today and be courageous. Catherine, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to speak with you again. We wish you the best of luck in 2017. And we'll look forward to seeing all of you next week in our next show. Thanks again for tuning in to A Hero's Journey. Bart Queen will be back next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Be sure to join us again next week in order to let your life speak. 